going to do something a little bit different. And uh, sometimes I wonder in my head, why do I do these things? But anyway, it is what it is. <laughs> We're going to just do something a little bit different. The kingdom of God requires faith. And faith is acting like you believe what Jesus actually said in your life. Faith is part substance of belief, um, just intellectually, but for faith to be faith, as it says in Hebrews, faith is the substance of the things we hope for. It's so it's actually living like you believe what you say you believe. And um, in environments like this, the, the heart of God, I think, for our church even, is to begin the process of shifting the emphasis from the stage to the people. For too long, um, we've, we've just, it's nobody's fault and I'm not criticizing, we've just been in a culture where we come and we watch and we gather some information and we go home but we've struggled to actually activate the whole body in the life of the body. And that requires engaging with the spiritual and supernatural gifts of the spirit, but it requires risk. <laughs> so the kingdom of Jesus inherently requires risk. Faith in its nature requires risk. Um, so we're gonna just take a little risk here. And, um, I'm human, I make mistakes. You're human, you make mistakes. This is an environment where we can learn to grow in the realities of the kingdom together in practical ways. And uh, so we're gonna just take a moment um, this morning and what, I, what I'm gonna ask is the Holy Spirit, if he has any specific prophetic word that he would actually have for us this morning, um, that's not gonna come from my mouth, but actually just in the room. So here's what I believe to be true, that on any given Sunday morning, I'm not the only one with insight <laughs> from, from, uh, from God. I'm not the only one he wants to work through. And so um, we're gonna step into a moment of just a bit of risk. I actually don't know, I don't know what the result of this will be. So I'm jumping in with you in this, but it's good. We actually, the, the Spirit of God wants to engage in your life in a significant way. And as a church, I, we feel more called, I feel more called that my role is a facilitator, not a doer of everything. He's inviting me to facilitate his presence and uh, help do that. I don't always do that the best, uh, but I'm learning in that too. That's an area that God is challenging me. And so here's what we're gonna do. It's not, this isn't weird or kooky or like, it, it doesn't, this doesn't have to be emotional. Uh, you don't have to like your body be filled with goose, goosebumps, that may happen. Um, it was snowing this morning, <laughs> but um, 
It doesn't, this doesn't have to be, we're not conjuring up some kind of emotive sort of frenzy here. We're just simply asking the Holy Spirit if he wants to bring a prophetic word of encouragement, uh, an exhortation to bring life to the church that I'm not aware of. <laughs> so here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna just take a moment to pray and I want you to just take a few moments to listen. And if you feel uh, like something is stirring in you that you are sensing uh, he might be speaking to you, then just kind of hold on to that. And some of the ways that I, uh, that I experience this would be my heart starts pounding and I start going, no, 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 no. <laughs> so usually when I'm saying no, 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 and, and it's not going away, and it's something I don't want to take a risk in and I don't want to be vulnerable with, often that's actually the Spirit of God working in me. Uh, conversely, often when I feel like I have something everybody needs to hear, and it's like, you gotta hear this, that's like a caution for me. It's like, well, maybe not. That might be just for my life. So that's just uh, one quick area. Um, and it doesn't take long for God to work. Like, we don't have to sit here for a half an hour in silence for him to have the time. He can just speak very quickly. A few weeks ago at worship night, um, we were in the middle of worship and he gave me a, a word and it was a name, a simple name. And uh, it took me the whole service to have the courage to actually bring that to everybody. It was full like this and I didn't even know half of the people there, but it ended up being a pretty incredible moment as other people in the church engaged with that. And here's, here's what it was like for me. We were in worship and just not like a megaphone or anything like that, but in my mind, I just randomly heard Veronica. And I thought, I literally like, we're singing and I'm like, well, that's weird. I don't even really know a Veronica. There's nobody in my family named Veronica. And so then the no, 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 no started. Like, I don't know, I don't like where this is going, God. Like, so, and I wrestled with that for the whole service, but I still felt like, I don't know, there's something that you're inviting me to steward here. And so somebody came to me this morning and said there might be a prophetic word that God is stirring, and so I just want to be faithful to steward that. If there's not, that's okay. We'll all live, actually. <laughs> God is not going to strike us down. What's interesting is that when we, and we're not, we're not talking about spiritual gifts today, but when we think of spiritual gifts, like preaching, teaching, and uh, those great ones, hospitality, and all of those things, um, we treat those differently than gifts like words of knowledge and prophecy. And we apply rules to the prophetic and words of knowledge that we don't apply to all the other ones. Namely, you have to be perfect, and there's no room, it's either 100% yes or no, you're a heretic if you get it wrong, and that's actually not biblical, and that's certainly not how Paul used the prophetic. So even in these gifts, like what we're doing today is meant to just be a learning experience for us because God wants to speak into your life, like not just Sunday morning, but tomorrow, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. He wants to speak to you and lead you. And that just takes practice sometimes. So here's how we're going to do it. Um, we're just going to take a moment and we're just going to pray. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit if there is anything he wants to bring to the surface specifically for today. And we're going to do a couple of little tests and we'll just walk through and see what happens. Is that okay? Do I have your permission to do that? I'm sort of asking, sort of not actually asking. Anyway. <laughs> so, and this is not like, I'm not David Copperfield here. Like this is not some kind of magic show we're doing here. This is just like simple, like I want to be faithful to your presence and um, be open to how you might want to work and encourage. And so let's just close our eyes this morning again. And uh, I'm just going to ask, Holy Spirit, just in humility, I have no idea what you want to do, but I'm just going to ask that if you have uh, a word, a prophetic picture or word or even scripture or something that you want to release in the body now for the the benefit of all of us here. I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit that you would speak that right now, that you would draw that out and uh, bring that into the light for us today. We are here to come under your ministry today. So just take a moment and let's listen to him. Okay, so here's kind of step one here. And for this, uh, I'm just going to have you raise your hand. Did anybody feel like a specific name came to mind or scripture verse or just some kind of like encouragement or exhortation for the church? If you did, just raise your hand. Just one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, okay. Good. So there's a few. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take a moment here and we're going to ask Jesus, are any of those for now for all of us? So one of the things we always have to kind of work out, is that a word for me? Or is this something you want to bring to everyone together? Or is this the right time even? I've made many mistakes in my version of timing versus God's version of timing. And so Let's just uh, close our eyes again and just ask Jesus, um, with those who have their hands raised or who felt they um, just had something they wanted to bring to the body, are, would you just confirm um, whether that is for right now and whether those things are for all of us together? Let's just take a moment just to listen. And Father, I just want to, in this moment, just, uh, just speak faith into anyone who is apprehensive, even maybe feels like they're not sure, they don't want to take a risk, they don't want to 
kind of stick out or stand out. We just forbid the enemy of God from holding us back from receiving everything that Jesus would have for us this morning, for using fear as a tool or doubt. In Jesus' name, we just uh, ask for faith. Okay, so um, for those who had their hand raised, how many would still say they feel like there's something that God is wanting them to share? Okay, so you who do, so that, was that three, four, five? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. This, I'm just like making this up as we go. So this is not like, this is not Las Vegas. We're not at the Caesars Palace and we have this great show for you this morning. So we're just making it up. So those of you who do, I'm going to have you come and talk to Brenda and Mark too, because he's right there. But Brenda, uh, Pastor Brenda, while they're doing that, so get out of your chairs. While they're doing that, the rest of us, let's stand and just give a fist pump, say hi to those people around us. This is, I am distracting you from the time that this is taking, all right? (laughs) Here, I can talk with you. What were you sensing? So just stay up here. Yeah. What did you guys... Actually, yesterday I was working in Walmart, and that's the boy and his mother, and they had some conversation, and suddenly they started punching his mother. And right now I got one line in my mind is, you be with Jesus till the time you want to. You need something. And once you, are, you get that, or once you get to this position, you are just lost in your life. Okay, lots of action up front here. (laughs) See, I told you, I didn't know what I was really getting myself into this morning. (laughs) Um, All right, so uh, you guys can just have a seat here. Okay, so just while we connect with with some here, so here's sort of just an encouragement for you. And um, again, in stewarding God's presence and in stewarding his gifts, and specifically in this area, what our tendency to do, and this is mine too, is to sense that God is speaking to us and then to demand to understand what it is he's saying or why. So often what we do is we feel like God is leading in a certain direction, but we kind of, we we hold short and we say, God, 
I need to know why you're saying this or why you're leading my family in this direction. I need to know why before I actually do anything. But in the stewardship of these gifts, the why is not your responsibility or the what. It's actually just being faithful to say, here's what I feel God is laying on my heart. I'm gonna leave the rest of it to the work of the Holy Spirit along the way. And so often we shortchange the work of God in our life because before we move out in faith, we demand to have our questions answered. But that's not always how the Holy Spirit works. Sometimes he does, but that's not often how he works. That's why he wants to engage the whole body because not one of us in and of ourselves possess everything necessary. That's why we need each other. So there were a few things that, um, that came up. And so what we're gonna do is just, we're going to uh, bring these to you as an encouragement and then ask you just corporately if there's any specific significance of that in your life. There may be, there may not be, I don't know. Um, but our job now is not to know the end. It's just to be faithful with where we are. And so um, there was a couple, Brenda, was there some on this side we wanna bring forward? Okay, so Frankie, right? Yeah, okay, come on up, Frankie. So she, Frankie had, um, she's from India, by the way, and is here as a student uh, through, the, uh, through Niagara College, right? Amazing. So I, first of all, thank you for having the courage to come up here. Um, and she just felt like God was giving her a bit of a picture from an experience she saw um, that could be an encouragement for somebody here in their walk with Jesus. Uh, okay, so I work in Walmart and in the self-checkout. Uh, self so I see a lot many people daily and their nature and everything. But yesterday what I see is there was a guy and his mother and they bought something and then they had a conversation and I don't know, something happened, and he just slapped his mother. Yeah. And uh, then they were just fighting, and they went outside. What right now I saw in my mind is, just like a child, we stay with our parents till the time we need something, or till the time we grow, or till the time we are capable of doing something. And once we are capable of doing everything on our own, we just don't need them. We are like, okay, now we are on our ways. We can do everything on our own. Same way we do it with Jesus. We call him when we want something. We pray when we want something. We call him, Jesus, I need this. I need that. And once I get that, it's not only you. I'm the same person. Once I get something, I'm so busy in my happiness, in my joy. Oh, I got this that I forget that he has given it to me and we are lost in our lives again. And once again, when we want something, we are back to him, Jesus, please give this to me. And again, same story. Same way we do it with our parents. We call them, Mama, I need this, Mama, I need that. And uh, once we are capable enough, I can do everything on my own. We don't even call them that, Mama, are you okay? So yeah. Amazing. 
All right, that was the sermon. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> uh, that was really good. Thank you, Frankie, for having the courage. And uh, I just, as you were saying that, just, I don't know who that's for, but just my sense is that's the heart of Jesus drawing us back to himself. That his desire is to walk with you intimately, uh, not just when you need him or are desperate for him, but in every season. And so I'm not sure if, if that, um, we don't really, didn't plan for this to take the whole service, but I'm not sure who that's for. And if you've sensed today that that's like maybe a specific reality that you're just struggling with or walking through, then uh, I, could you come at the end? I'd love to just process with you and just talk more about that. That's um, really great. Do we have anything else that we want to to Lori, okay, what's that? Do you want to come up here? Sorry, this is really awkward. This is like <laughs> when the Wi-Fi reception is bad and on Zoom, right? And you're like 20 seconds delayed and your face is all contorted and it's frozen. Here, let's fix that. So there was someone who was at the front of the line here who said they don't go to church here and you had a word. I don't know your name. So whoever that was, that was would you come back up? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a little awkward for me because I just visiting my friends and I was like, I felt like the Lord was like, you're going to be sharing a word. And then we were praying, my heart just started beating. I was like, no, 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 no. Because I was like, who am I to speak? I'm just visiting. Anyway, I'm a, actually a full-time missionary with YWAM. I lived in New Zealand for the past six years. I'm going to go to LA and work with YWAM there soon. But I felt like the Lord just want to encourage this church that uh, maybe for some time you felt like you as a church were like mining or caving and you were going deeper and deeper into the cave and you were grasping about and just trying to find some sort of direction and you were just trying to get a grasp on where you were in this cave and what's ahead and where are we going and things like that. And then one of like someone in the group was just like, that's it. And they like busted one of the cave walls with their elbow. And then they were reaching in and they shone their flashlight in there and they discovered all this gold and it's like you as a church are rediscovering your treasure, which is Jesus. And you're rediscovering your first love and falling in love with him again. And it's such a joy for you as a whole. And just, I don't know, like, I don't know where that man went, but the man at the front that was sharing all that um, in the beginning, I was like, oh my goodness. And so, I don't know, I just feel like God is just so proud of you as a church and like, come on. You're, yes, you love me. Yes, fall more in love with me. Keep chasing after me. Keep sharing your faith. Keep chasing after me. And like, I'm the best for you. Never doubt that. And so I just want to share that. Yeah. Thank you. What was your name? Tammy. So I just, I just wanted to say there was a whole bunch, you know, I thought there was five. I turned around, there was a whole bunch of people who came up here. Um, and I just want to encourage you guys that, you know, I felt like a lot of those things were, yes, God was putting those things on your heart. I don't want any of you to feel discouraged because we're not necessarily calling you up. But Sarah, would you come back up and share what God put on your heart? Yeah. If you don't mind. Are you nervous? I'll stand right here with you. Okay. It's sure, okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hi, I was just sitting there and started getting the no, 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 don't talk. Please don't talk in front of people. Um, but I had, I had just an image of um, kidneys and I had like just someone like just this word as kidneys, kidneys, kidneys. I'm like, this is not anatomy class. What's happening? But there's also um, that Shakespearean idea of like the 
your mood and emotion attached to an organ. And so I, I kept getting kidney and a heaviness attached to it. And then my hands started getting hot. And that's usually about the time that it feels like a healing needs to happen. And so I don't know what that means, but that's what yeah. I got. So if there's anyone here that that just resonates with, if there is a physical problem with your kidneys, thanks, Sarah. I appreciate that. Um, I, I just felt, I, I know Sarah and she's real sweetheart. I knew she wouldn't have come up here if that wasn't a, you know, really weighing on her heart. So I just wanted to ask if there's anyone that we could pray for maybe in terms of healing or if that speaks to you at all or resonates with you at all. Okay. You have a name? Okay. Lyle? Okay. So, so there's a name here, Lyle. Again, uh, if that means something to you, um, come and chat with us. And um, we want to actually just follow through. Again, I, I had no idea what that word Roxanne would actually trigger that night. And so there was uh, several things that ended up coming out of that. And so if the kidney uh, picture uh, you think is specific for you, come and chat with us. Same with Lyle. Um, Lori. So another name, David. Okay. Maybe somebody else that God is just again, bringing their name to the surface as a, a provoking for us in prayer. And so if that name David actually has significance for you um, as well, come and chat with us. So, okay, Alex's sister, right? All right. See, it's Zoom. It's Zoom. I just want to say Zoom is from the devil. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it's, this is crazy that you shared this. Um, so my sister, her story is in crazy. Um, um, so at 22 months, she had cancer of the kidneys. Um, she had a miracle, dialysis, kidney transplant when she was in the 80, it was in the 80s um, when she was like six years old. Her kidney failed eventually as a, a young adult. Her father, my father, her father, gave a kidney to her. Um, she just went in for a biopsy. Her creatinine level, which is what you test for kidney failure, is sky high and she went in for a biopsy. And she has a specialist in Toronto that called her on Friday and said, um, I wanna give you your test results, but I need you to come in um, as of Wednesday. Um, so she has a meeting on Wednesday to find out if her kidney is failing or not, and she's quite terrified. Um, her biggest fear in her life, really, um, is that her kidneys would fail. And so, um, yeah, just so you know, um, that's what my sister's dealing with, so. Thank you for listening and obeying. And what's your sister's name? My sister's name's Victoria. Victoria. Okay, can we just um, pray for Victoria uh, right now? And 
Just even, I don't know if there's any, Cliff, if you want to just lay hands on Alex and anybody else actually can come up and just pray uh, and lay hands on Alex. So, Holy Spirit, we, we know that you are faithful and we just intercede on behalf of Victoria right now and her kidneys and the issues that are present there, which only you know fully about. And we just, first of all, just speak life and restoration over her body physically. Father, we just ask that you would release the fullness of the ministry of your spirit over her physically. I ask Jesus that you would speak uh, to her kidneys even, and that you would proclaim the kingdom of God and his desire over her body, that the kingdom of heaven would come to bear on her life in a, in a physical way. Father, we ask that your heart and your desire would be fulfilled. I just pray even right now that you would strengthen her. God, would she even take note of the time right now um, that, that you would strengthen her? Jesus, you healed people that weren't even in the same region as you. It just was one word from your mouth. God, that brought healing. And so there's no space that can interrupt your work. And so we just petition as a church family together for Alex and his family, for his sister. And we just ask Holy Spirit that your ministry would just overwhelm her this morning. We just ask uh, in humility for you to bring restoration and healing into her body physically in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, one last one, and then we'll get to a very abbreviated message from Pastor Andrew. Okay, uh, lastly, which was just a word, right, that you were hearing? No. Oh, person's name. You, I thought you said ceiling was... Okay, why don't you come up here? I'm doing it again, see? All right, uh, what were you sensing? Uh, sometimes I, I sense God speaking something directly to me when he wakes me up in the middle of the night. And last night was one of those three o'clock in the morning and uh, go to the bathroom and start pacing the bathroom floor and talking to God about it. And I, I just really sensed it was not just for me, but for the church. And it was just four words. There is no ceiling. There is no ceiling. There is no ceiling, as we've just witnessed here this morning. The wondrous gifts of God, there is no ceiling. We limit, we put the ceiling on, but he's reminding me, reminding the church, there is no ceiling. Amen. Thank you. That's great. All right. Lord, help me right now. Okay, um, today we're just gonna, um, my heart in today was actually just to talk a little bit about um, the events of Holy Week that took place about this time uh, in scripture. And so I'm just gonna read some scripture and I just have some, some general thoughts for you um, and just something that I um, just feel like God has been 
speaking to me. Um, and so this will be on the screen. You can open up your Bible or your Bible app to Luke 19. This is the events of Palm Sunday, which would be the Sunday uh, that we are in right now. Jesus' triumphant entry after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem. So just for context, what's just happened is there's these huge crowds gathering in Jerusalem because word of Jesus rising Lazarus from the dead has been spreading. And Lazarus himself has been proclaiming the gospel, the good news of what's happened. And like hype is building massively. And there's these huge crowds gathering, like, like dead people are being raised, like miracles are happening. Could this be the Messiah that our scriptures talk about? That the old, our Old Testament, for them, that was their scriptures. Could this be really what's about to happen? And if it is, uh, we want to actually see God bring to us the restoration of our nation of Israel that he was promising. And so there's this swirling sort of uh, sea of, of, of interest and hype happening. And that's where Jesus uh, comes and where we find ourselves in this story. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply said, the Lord needs it. Just try that on for size for a minute. Like, you're, you're already taking a risk, and all you're supposed to say is the Lord needs it. Like, no other stories or context or, like, like trying to defend what you're doing. Just, just the Lord needs it, right? And again, this is how Jesus works. He doesn't ask them to go into a 30-minute a diatribe about who Jesus is and what's going on. And like, he might be the son of God. So he does have permission to ask you for your donkey and all of that stuff. He just is like, just tell them that the Lord needs it. And their faith, they trust him with just a little bit of that information. And uh, they go and the owners do ask, why are you untying that colt? The disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought, it to the colt, uh, they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Some translations in, in uh, the different gospels, there's slightly different variations of this, but a lot, of the, um, uh, a lot of the translations will start with Hosanna, like the word we just sung. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road 
would burst into, into cheers. We don't have time now uh, to go into all of this in detail, but even the palm branches that were spread on the ground had deep political and sociological meaning for the Israelites. Um, when the second temple was rebuilt, the part of their dedication ceremony of the presence of God and the reestablishment of the temple of God in Judaism a few hundred years previous to this was to actually bring palm branches to this dedication ceremony of the temple, the reestablishment of the presence of God among his people. And so they bring these palm branches, the, the, uh, the crowd that was there, the Romans who were there, the Greeks who were there, the Jewish uh, followers of Jesus who were there would have known exactly what that meant for them to lay palm branches down. What that meant is the Messiah is here and he's going to restore Israel back to the place that he had promised long, long ago. We've been under the boot of the Romans and the Messiah's here. That's what the palm branches signified. But there was also this secondary stream that was flowing, and I'm certainly not getting into this, but, but I wanna just kinda lay this out there. There was a secondary stream that was flowing that had an expectation of what it meant for Jesus to bring the kingdom to bear. And there was a nationalism that was present there in that time. That actually for them, the restoration of the kingdom was the overthrowing of the Roman government and it was a political maneuver. Jesus, catching this, what's going on, decides to ride in on a colt. What's very important about that is in Jesus's day, if a king was riding in on a horse, it was a symbol for war. Conquest is about to take place. But when a king came in on a donkey, it was a symbol for peace. There's some commentators that actually believe that when Jesus saw what was going on and getting stirred up, he decided intentionally to ride in on a donkey as a counterformational move to say the kingdom I'm bringing is not going to look like the kingdom you're expecting. And there was nothing wrong that they were expecting to be liberated from the Roman government. In fact, all of the prophetic writing of the Old Testament seemed to signify that. But the deliverance of the people of Israel was not going to come in the way they expected. And this is what Jesus was confronting on that road, riding in on a donkey, saying, your freedom, your deliverance, my work in your life doesn't always look the way you want it to. But are you willing to receive me anyway? What's interesting is this group of people, five days later, become the same people that shout crucify him, crucify him. When they are proclaiming Hosanna as he's riding in to the city, literally, if you were to uh, translate that, Hosanna means the God who saves, but very specifically what they were chanting and what they were singing at the top of their lungs was, oh God, save us now. You are the Messiah, Jesus. Bring your kingdom and save us. Deliver us from the stuff we're under. 
Free us from the oppression we're experiencing, the marginalization and and from the boot of Rome. Save us, Jesus. Save us, Jesus. And what they had in their mind was the overthrow of a political system. What Jesus had in mind was the bondage-breaking freedom that comes through the spiritual realm first, not the physical. I just feel like What Jesus was just reminding me of this week is, Andrew, how do you process, how do you handle things in your life when I don't work in the way that you would like me to work? When I don't come the way you want me to come? God, when I want you to get crap done for me, I could have used a worse word, so I just went with a better one. I do have... I have a mild filter in my brain. Doesn't work all the time, but, but how do I respond? How do I process things when Jesus working in my life doesn't look the way I want it to look? I think that's one of the questions he's just inviting us to just process. When he is working, he's always working for freedom and deliverance, and restoration, and healing, but often the mechanism, the way he does that, doesn't look like what we have in our mind. And so often we turn, like these people, from the people who are like, Jesus, free me, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, restore me, Jesus, renew my marriage, Jesus, do this, Jesus, do that, I'm desperate for you to move. And then when it's not working like we pictured it, we become those people that then rail against him. He's never come through for me. He's never been faithful to me. I can't trust him. All this stuff is going on in my life. Why is he not working? Why is he not moving? Why don't I see change? Why don't I see what I so desperately want? And we become the people that become then the criticizers of Jesus. But Jesus calls us to a life of faith. Part of faith is actually saying, Jesus, I trust you with how you're working. So when we're super disappointed because suffering is going on, because we're brokenhearted, because our plans are crumbling around us and our ideas and expectations aren't working, what faith does is faith says, Jesus, things aren't happening the way I'd prefer, but I still trust you in my life. I think that this triumphal entry is a bit of a window into this heart of Jesus. The father was asking him to do things he didn't want to do. I was also thinking several times in this uh, week of history that we read about in scripture Jesus could have taken matters into his own hands. Like he could have responded to this crowd and went, yeah, let's go. I'm gonna gonna use the resources of heaven to bring the change you wanna see. He could have. In one of the gospels, when they arrested Jesus in the garden and his disciples were physically confronting, violently confronting those that came to arrest Jesus. Jesus said, don't you know, I could call down 12 legions of angels right now. I don't have to do this. 
but I choose to do it. Jesus didn't have to suffer the way he did. He willingly chose to walk in faithfulness to the Father, even though it wasn't what he would have preferred. And so this story of the Holy Week of Palm Sunday and the days that followed in Jesus' life was a story of his heart being tested. And the test of his heart, I think part of it on Palm Sunday is Jesus, would you surrender to me what you would prefer for things to look like right now? Would you actually surrender your preferred outcome, your preferred sort of X, Y, or Z in life, would you surrender it to me? Jesus' heart was tested with how he would respond when God was not seeming to work in the way that everybody else thought he should. Later on in that week, we go to uh, the garden and there's lots of things going on. We don't have time to cover all of them, but I wanna read a bit more scripture. And so Jesus' heart on Palm Sunday is tested. Will you be faithful to me even when things aren't working the way you want? And I think it's a good question for us to ask today. That's the Palm Sunday test, one of them. There's so much more we could talk about, but that's the one I just feel I wanna leave with you today. But later on in the week, Jesus' heart is tested in different ways. In Mark 14, we're now in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has had the Last Supper where they served Pascha. And um, <laughs> did you catch that? That's not sacrilegious or anything. I think it might have actually happened. <laughs> I was going to write that and like actually change the words of the scripture. And then I thought, oh, that might be a bit far. But anyway, I digress. Mark 14. They're in Gethsemane. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with them and he became deeply troubled and distressed. I want you to just highlight those words for yourself. He became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Father, if you could do this a different way, any other way, I would really appreciate that. What's going on in my life is not what I pictured, is not what I prefer. It's not the thing that I would choose. But Jesus, I want you to notice this again. This is what Jesus says, my soul is crushed with grief, but I'm not gonna run from the pain of the moment. Please take this, uh, sorry, he went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful, awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation. 
for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open and, he, and didn't know what to say. When he returned to them a third time, he said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But know the time has come, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Life following Jesus is spiritual warfare. And that warfare, that battle is fought on the field of our heart. Jesus' own heart here was undergoing great testing. There was a battle raging in him. Do I do things the way that I want to do them? Do I, do I use my power and authority even here to get the result I want in the way that I want? Am I willing to surrender to the desire of God, to the desire of the Father? There was a spiritual war raging in Jesus's heart. And for you and I, that same spiritual battle is taking place on the field of our heart. His heart was being tested with surrendering the outcomes of his life and the way things are progressing to the Father. And now his heart is being tested as to whether or not he's willing to endure the pain necessary to bring freedom and liberty and actually destroy the kingdom of darkness. The test for Jesus here is are you willing to enter into the suffering that is necessary to bring freedom and liberty and life to humanity? On one sense, the test is are you willing to die to yourself, Jesus? And on another sense is are you willing to experience suffering and loss in your life? This holy week that is taking place, if we put it into language that we've been using in this last series, counterform, this is how God counterforms us through suffering and pain. And in a culture, in a world that is so pain averse, like we do everything we can to avoid it, to medicate it, to tamp it down, even in our Christian circles, a lot of our prayers, if we're honest, are God take away the pain. If we're really honest, a lot of our prayers are get me through this as fast as I can, right? Remove it from me, take it away. And Jesus in this moment isn't saying that. He's saying, Father, your will be done. I will walk through the deepest pain and suffering imaginable because I know you're with me in the middle of it. And this is a counterforming kind of gospel message for us that the kingdom of God requires us not only to lay down our life to sacrifice ourself, to die to ourself, but the kingdom of God requires that we trust God in suffering and in pain. 
And yet so much of our lives, we run from that, we avoid it, we, we come into church and we, we pretend like things are fine. We pretend like time heals all wounds and it does not. That is a lie of hell. Time heals nothing. It's only the active presence of Jesus in the pain that brings healing and restoration and renewal in our life. Jesus could have chosen to avoid the pain of the cross, the pain of torture, the pain of rejection, the pain of stinging loneliness, being deserted and alone. He could have chose to avoid the ridicule and the mockery and the physical beating. He could have chose to avoid all of that, but he didn't. He willingly submitted himself to the work of the Father in his life through that. So the question that leaves me with and us with today is, what then is ruling your life and my life? Are we insistent on Jesus working the way we want him to work? And are we insistent on avoiding pain at all costs? in our life. Someone said, only something that has died can be resurrected. Would you be willing to walk the road Jesus did and to die to yourself, to your own vision for your life? Not because God wants you to be miserable and to crush it, but because he wants to actually bring you greater freedom and purpose and significance and joy than you could ever imagine. But would you be willing to actually die to your vision of what life should be or how God should be fixing things and working and acting? Would you be willing to die to that? And would you be willing to die to your desire to avoid pain and hurt and run from it. I don't wanna process it. I don't wanna deal with hard relationships. I don't wanna deal with conflict. I don't wanna deal with that stuff. God is inviting us to actually be the kind of people who can sit with those who are suffering. It's interesting, um, Alex and I were in India a number of years back in Calcutta. We were, we were in the place um, where Mother Teresa had her ministry. And it is a hard, hard place to be. And yet her calling was to sit in the brokenness and the suffering of those who she was surrounded by. And it was because she was willing to be present in the suffering and not try and pray it away, not try and move on past it, not try and ignore it or deflect from it because she was willing to sit in the pain and suffering of others. They received the ministry of Jesus himself through her life. And so many of you have faced suffering in this last season, deep pain and hurt. And our heart as a church is not to pray it away or stick a plasticky kind of scripture verse over it, but our heart is to sit with you in that place 
and allow the ministry of Jesus to begin to bring renewal and healing and restoration. And I just feel like God is just wanting to remind you today that the pain you've been experiencing, the suffering that you've been walking through, the hurt that you've kind of been faced with, that A, you're not walking through it alone, and B, he is, his heart is to be there with you in it. And the cross for us, we'll talk about it on Good Friday, is a picture, not of Jesus doing something so that we don't have to face it, but of Jesus saying, I am in the place of your deepest pain. I'm at the bottom of the deepest pit you could ever imagine. It's okay to be there with me. I will actually be there with you. As a church, God is calling us to be that kind of place for people. And often we look at Jesus and we go, well, he was perfect. He didn't sin. He like, how could he understand the pain that I'm in? How could he ever understand the suffering and the loss and the longing and the hurt and all of that? He was perfect. He, was, he didn't have sin. So how could he know really what I'm going through? I want to read to you one last scripture to close. Hebrews 4. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings, all of the same hurt, all of the same uh, suffering. He faced the rejection we do and the betrayal that we do. He faced uh, the loss of relationship. He faced all of the things we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I want to remind you that word sin means to miss the mark. In essence, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is under that great pressure, under the great temptation of stuff in life, Jesus wasn't driven off course. His faith wasn't shipwrecked. His trust in his father wasn't damaged. Under great pressure, he was able to see the purposes and plans of God for his life and stay true to that. God, I'll be faithful, even if it doesn't look the way I want it to look right now. Even if you're not responding to my prayer life in the way I'd like you to, I will remain faithful. And Jesus did. That word sympathize there in that context is a prefix of two, uh, is a joined word, and it means to suffer with. So Jesus enters into the deepest, hardest parts of our life. The difficult stuff you're walking through today is not unique to you. Jesus has walked through things. There's a picture that I want to leave with you that C.S. Lewis talked about in his book, Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis gives us this picture 
of like when we're facing hard stuff in life, trials and temptations, suffering, pain, hurt, relational fracturing, trouble in our marriage and all of these things, it's like we're walking against the wind. And the picture that C.S. Lewis had is like, you know, you and I are walking against the wind and at a certain point, the wind just gets too powerful and we lay down. We lay down to avoid it. But here's the picture of Jesus. Jesus walked against the wind and when the wind grew to a hurricane force, he still walked ahead. And when all of hell was raging against him, that holy weekend on the cross, when all of hell was throwing everything it could at him, he kept walking and the difference between Jesus, the reason he can relate to your pain is because he's walked all the way through until hell had nothing else to give him. And he stood there at the end in victory where you and I have lied down because it's too much for us. He kept walking. He kept going against the force of the wind for your life and my life. He can identify with what you're going through, the deepest longings of your heart the pain and the suffering that you've been walking through and experiencing. He's faced the same torrent of wind in his life and he kept walking. And the goodness of God, the goodness of Jesus as he says, now I can walk with you. You will never be alone as you're walking through suffering and pain. I will walk there. I'll go as deep as you need to go. I'll go as far as you need to go. You have someone in your life who's walked through the wind before and I know the way out. That's why Jesus can relate to us. That's why in our pain and suffering, Jesus can relate because he did not, when it came to Good Friday, he did not resist pain and suffering in his own life. In fact, Jesus saw it through to the point where every fiber in his body had been ravaged by hell. every emotion he could ever have, every thought, every, every part of his body experienced the full measure of evil that Satan was wanting to throw. And he walked through all of it. So yes, he knows your pain today. Yes, he knows your deep longings and your desires. He knows what's keeping you up awake at night. He knows the struggle going on in your marriage. He knows the heartbreak that you're enduring right now. And he's saying, I've walked that road and I wanna walk it with you. The question is, are you willing to meet him in that place and trust him with your life in a new and more significant way? Let's stand together. Ben, if you'd like to come. The story of this holy week is the story of this spiritual war that was taking place in the heart of Jesus. Do I really trust the Father with my life? Do I really trust that when outcomes happen that I did not plan or prefer, do I really trust he is still faithful and good? 
Do I really trust when things are going sideways really quickly that he is still faithful, that he hears me still? And the story of Jesus through the gospels is not the story of someone who runs from pain, but someone who runs into broken situations to minister to people who are experiencing the lows of the lows. The story of Jesus is not someone who avoids pain or suffering, but someone who enters into it with us. And I know several of you here have lost family members in the last little while. Jesus is not running from that pain. He's actually walking toward you in that. Some of you have just carried such a heavy weight in the last two years, such heaviness that you've been carrying and Jesus is not walking away from that. He's actually walking into the middle of it and he's asking, would you meet me in the middle of this? Would you meet me because I wanna minister to you. There's a reason he was called the suffering servant. Because he walked this road before you were ever born. And he has strength and life for you. And so let's just pray, Holy Spirit, I just, I don't know exactly what's taking place in the heart of each person here, but you do. And so I just, I'm gonna ask just for a few minutes that you would minister the heart of Jesus to each person here. Those who have been just suffering and enduring pain from loss, husbands and fathers and family members and friends. Father, I ask that you would enter into that suffering in a deep and profound way right now, that you would walk into that space and that you would begin to speak life and healing and renewal, that you would stir faith and trust in you as a loving father. Father, for those who have experienced great hurt and wounding and offense in relationships, I ask for your ministry in their hearts, in their minds right now, that you would enter into those places of fracturing and of wounding and trauma and pain, and that you would begin to speak truth and life over that that you would begin to renew and restore, that the fullness of what you did on the cross for us would be experienced in our life today, that the fullness of the life that you offer would be felt and experienced today. just to just in this space for just a moment I just want you just to receive the heart of Jesus for you and if that comes with some emotion or whatever don't be afraid of that don't run from that meet him in that Where have you been resisting his work? Where have you been resenting 
what's been happening in your life? Where have you been frustrated and angry? Meet him in that place. Where have you been confused and at a loss to know what to do? Where are you broken? And where do you need his work? Meet him in that place. He's there. He's a, a good shepherd who restores the brokenhearted, who brings peace and life. I thank you that we do not walk alone, Jesus. That you will never leave us or forsake us that you're with us in our loneliness and isolation, in our hurt and our longing and our pain. You're with us in our joy and our gratitude. You're with us in every season. You are our shepherd and because you are our shepherd, we have everything we need to make it today. And so we release to you what things look like we even release to you how things feel. And we invite you into these spaces of our life in a new way. Thank you for suffering for us. Thank you for your courage to walk through the events of this Passion Week. Thank you for walking against the hurricane of hell for us. Thank you for bearing on your body the marks of your faithfulness to God and your commitment to us. We love you.